Hi there, welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans, uh, and where the content is free. It's episode 164 uh, of the flagship show. We're coming to you on the Monday night instead of the, the usual Sunday uh, because of the way of Christmas has fallen and all that kind of a thing. As I say every week, guys, it's not just the pod we have here at Jersnet. Uh, we've, got, we've got the website, you'll find articles and stuff on there. There's a history archive forums, all that kind of stuff, so get yourself on it. If you like what we do here at Jersnet, the pod and all the other stuff, put the word out there on social media. Let people know that we're here and what we're doing. I think we're approaching, or may have just breached the 5,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. So that's great. So if you can keep that going. Uh, it's the last show of the year for... Uh, we didn't expect it to, to be the last show of the year, but things developed as they do. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, no doubt, about the SPFL and various clubs... Uh, Bending the, 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 the spirit, shall we say, of sporting integrity. But we'll come on to that. Uh, so we'll have a look at the Simon game, have a wee look at some of the stuff uh, that, that, that's been going on in the background with the COVID stuff and all that kind of stuff and the, the winter break being moved. Also have a wee look at uh, maybe some comings and goings in January. And we'll have a wee look at the year because it's the last one of the year, as I said. Uh, and we'll have a wee look at, it was a good year for Rangers, but also, you know, quite a sad year as well in other respects as well. So we'll have a wee look at that. My guest tonight, I've got Alex Anderson uh, and and Doogie. Alex, how are you? Did you have a nice Christmas? Did Santa get you everything you wanted? Uh, he did, sir. Yes, yes. A- apart from the the fixture list going ahead as it was supposed to go ahead, you know what I mean. But um, we'll not we'll not get into that too early. Um, I mate, uh, Merry Christmas to yourself. Merry Christmas, yes, to Doogie. And uh, yeah. thank you on comms there, and all our viewers and listeners. Um, next to see the jail six points clear um, as we come to to the end of the year. Um, and I was just thinking there, looking at myself, see the camera adds 10 stone, but we, we, both, <laughs> we both know that's no true. Like, well, this, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to um, do down the, the severity of uh, Omicron, but I think if uh, Professor Chris Whitty wants a kind of visual aid for exponential growth, <laughs> he could just get me on, um, <laughs> see what, you know, a day on the turkey and then another day on... on <laughs> Oh no, the trimmings does for you. <laughs> I was fat enough to start with, mate, but then the last couple uh, of days, it's just, it's just. Dumb. I was, I was actually quite sensible, and as you know, I've adopted a dog. I was out for an eleven k yes. walk today. Eleven k, I walked today, so I'm, 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 I must have lost about five stone. You know, what I mean, because I did have it to lose. So I, I mean, I did notice my belt when I came back for the walk. I was getting a wee notch further up. So yeah, the health, the health benefits of having a dog. Uh, I quite enjoying it. We've also got Doogie, who's looking very festive there with his uh, his Rangers uh, Santa hat on. Uh, Do you have a good Christmas, Doogie? I did. Yeah, thanks very much, Colin. Um, all about the kids, one year old and a four year old, so it was a bit mental um, with the excitement of the Barbie Dream House being open. Um, but yeah, Merry Christmas to you, gents. And Merry Christmas to all the listeners. I've got my Santa hat on, which has been a, a tradition for many years to wear um, at Ibrooks on Boxing Day. And I've got my wee Santa glass with red wine in it. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, I, I'm on the Moretti. That looks like a bottle of wine you're on there, Alex. What's that you've got? It's a pool on you know. All right, okay. I'm, Just I'm, the way you held up, it did actually look like a bottle of wine. I thought he's taking us a bit far. It's my, it's my QVC hand model days. It's very, I make everything look much bigger than it is. I mean, as my wife will tell you. Right, on we go, boys. <laughs> Before we get started, I, I need to I need to know, because I, I, I experienced this as a dad eh, when, you know, when they were a bit younger. Were you up to like five in the morning, doing build and stuff? Um, no, I got to one. I got to one. one that's not bad, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, the dream house, I, I, I very kind of like strategically started building it a couple of days before and hid it in the garage. There was a day during the week that the, the eldest one said to me, can I get my scooter out of the garage? And I was like, absolutely not. We're not going in that <laughs> garage. And uh, how do you explain to your child the reason why you can't go into the garage is because your Christmas presents are in there and you'd be able to see them all. You should, you should have just said it's, it's, it's riddled with Omicron. We can't go in the garage. You know what I mean? It's out of bounds. It's, got, it's full of the COVID. It's mad with the COVID. Uh, but no, I, I was saying earlier on beforehand that uh, I get three hours sleep because the little one was then awake during the night as well. So Christmas Day was uh, was exhausting trying to get yeah. through it. But uh, don't worry, I powered through. I've been there, I've been there. Red wine and beer. I've been there. I remember one year I had to build a go-kart. Very 70s. You know what I mean? From a boy. Uh, and I was up to like, honestly, God, five in the morning. There was a couple of bits I couldn't, I just couldn't get, couldn't get it to go on, you know, nuts and bolts and that kind of stuff. And I actually woke my, my wife up at like five o'clock, like raging, like, you're going to have to come down <laughs> and give me a hand with this because uh, I can't do it. You know what I mean? I'm getting stressed out there up in two hours. We managed to get it finished, got it all done. And I kid you not, he was on it about 20 minutes. 
and then it went, it went in his <laughs> nana's shed and it was never seen or heard of again and I, I'm not bitter for the experience at all not absolutely not it's it's all good it's all fine right let's go on to the, uh, yesterday's game uh, Ibrox only 500 fans allowed in as we know uh, due, due to the announcement through the week with the uh, the COVID stuff and restrictions being uh, re-implemented in certain areas, and that's something we'll, we'll discuss later on. Uh, but Echo, uh, come to you first. I, I mean, I had, I had issues. Guess what? I had issues with, with Rangers TV yesterday, so I missed huge chunks of the first half. Uh, it just, I mean, I, I'm getting my stream okay, but when I'm trying to cast it to my TV, it cuts out, and it's only an app that does that. You know, I mean, every other app when I'm casting it to my TV, it works fine. Just kept on cutting out, kept on cutting out, and after about 25 minutes, half an hour. I had a couple of mates when we sat and watched it on the laptop and then we got it wasn't quite so bad in the second half you know we got maybe 20 minutes and then it started buffering again but it wasn't an enjoyable watching experience for myself I missed huge chunks of the game but what I did see uh, you know as comfortable a victory as you'll see a really easy win uh, and you would argue we should, we should have won by more I mean it was one way traffic I know what we actually looked like uh, Colin was champions um, in the middle, the process of retaining the title, we were absolutely uh, magnificent. In terms of this would be one of the games in your nine in a row videos, you know the, the VHS days where you just kind of this would be the moment you just kind of oh this that game against St Mary one two nothing right onto the big one the next one we looked like and again I'm getting one themed I'm going to sound like an obsessive here but um, we looked like we were just ready to go to our two biggest away venues the two biggest uh, kind of fixtures of any kind of uh, any kind of festive period. We're going to go to Petaudry, we're going to go to Parkhead and find Fettel. Um, we looked almost like we were containing the goals. We're, we're, we're going to spread them across the season as a whole with a few goals left up our sleeve for, for Aberdeen on Wednesday night and for uh, Parkhead on Sunday. Um, we also looked like a team that had just had um, a first full week off in ages. Um, and the manager... Um, as he said himself, hadn't he been telling the players what he wanted them to do, he'd had a chance to actually show them uh, up at Ock and Howie on the training field uh, how, what he wanted them to do. Um, Joe Aribo was just monstering the whole game. He, you know, he's, well, we're back to, you know, we've got our full-backs, get assists for both the goals. You know, Barisic is back to the forensic cross and Tavs, you know, just uh, as big an attacking threat as anybody else in that park. You'd, um, Joe Aribo's got a header contribution to both goals and you've got um, Alfie's slapping the ball into the back of the net in both goals as well even though the the first one wasn't his um, there's a bit in the game where Joe Aribo was done in what would be um, I think right back no left back position down at the corner flag between the, the main stand and the Copeland and he's turned the guy inside out turned and pinged a ball up the wing that put us through on goal again it was just it was easy, but this was a this was a St Mirren team that's like five first team players better off than they were against yeah, Celtic. Yeah. Two points of Celtic all night. We, we, we don't want to forget that. And I think the other thing that showed for me yesterday was again how um, Geo responds to the opposition. You know, Jim Goodwin's making big noises about how he's just going to part the bus. I like Jim Goodwin, and you know, I, I do think he's, he's, he's a you know I didn't like him as a player because he's a liability. Uh, he's got that. And he's got that on his part just now with the fellow Power, Alan Power. He's you know going to put somebody in hospital um, while smiling if he's mm-hmm. if he's not careful. But as a manager, I think he's quite upfront, quite an honest guy, um, quite respectful in a way that you know managers of other clubs aren't. Um, but he was he said he was going to part the bush yesterday, and we respected that. We had no choice for it. But again, you saw Gio just changing things to accommodate that, to accommodate what the opposition were going to do. Um, and I thought it's, again, we just looked like we're totally. We're on our game, we're in the zone, we're ready to go, and uh, things have been cut short. I can't get away from it. I cannot get away from from what has happened uh, with, the, with, the, with the schedule because Rangers look like they're absolutely ready to rock. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know we'll come on to talk about it later on, uh, but you know, there was huge sort of a lot of talk on social media and Twitter and all that kind of stuff at the beginning of December. Certainly, for Celtic fans, going, "Oh, we'll see how good they are." You know, look at their fixtures in December. And it seems to me that after we've won so many, they've went, well, actually, we don't want to play this game anymore. Can we get this knocked back until we get some new players in? Yeah, yeah. Play the game. Play the game. I mean, we come up through liquidation. You know, after liquidation, we come up through the leagues. We knew it was going to happen to us when we come back into the top flight because we were, you know, years behind in terms of infrastructure and whatever. 
Um, we took those, you know, five nothing doings at Parkhead, five one at Ibrox. You know, they're, putting, they're beating us four nothing in the in the Scottish Cup semi final. We had to go through all that because we wanted to play football. We wanted to get back to playing football. Um, we've got a team here, a club who doesn't seem to want to play it the same way as everybody else. They want to kind of change the subject when when, when things start getting. And I, I don't know if it's the fact that they had those like four consecutive trebles. You know, which a magnificent achievement. You know, doesn't matter who's. You know, it's not their fault that the, the opposition's weakened. Um, but they've got a level of success that no other Scottish clubs had in a sustained kind of period, a kind of, a kind of brief period of time. And I don't know if they've just got too used to lording it or whatever, and they don't actually know how to cope with a team who just takes that on the chin, a club that just takes that on the chin, and just and just kind of comes back at them. Um, we're looking at. I, I think it's it's not just a case of Celtic are wanting to um, stop playing us. They don't they don't want to play us when we're on form and they've got a lot of injuries. We've got plenty of injuries as well. You know, I don't think it's just even about that. I think it's also a kind of rewriting of history. Almost, it's almost to, to, there's a kind of uh, a subtext here that playing football in empty stadiums, i.e., winning a league title in empty stadiums, doesn't really count. We played yeah. them three. We played them three times at home last season. At Ibrox, and so if it's a disadvantage playing at home, suddenly it seems to be a disadvantage playing at home if the if your home stadium's empty. Yeah. Well, we did it three times yesterday last season in all firm games. We won a lot of them. Yeah, you know? I, would, I would disagree with that. I would actually say no. I would, I would agree with it, but I would disagree with what the argument is. The, the whole argument last season that home advantage was lost because stadiums were empty. You know what I, I mean? So I mean? it's one of the things. That it works both ways. I mean, we've had it. You know, we've we've had it more often playing at home. Old firm games without yeah. a crowd there. Um, I'm doing that thing. I'm spluttering. I'm going to start losing because that's fine. Well, come on, we'll, we'll we, get, we'll we, get were going to, we were going to talk about. We were, we we're trying to get a wee pod out there uh, last week um, before Christmas, kind of Christmas Eve. We just thought, no, it's not worth it because you know, folk have got other things to do. And I think I've actually it, it's it's been stored up in me since then, so I can hardly <laughs> talk about the Sydney game. I come downstairs at half. I'm watching the laptop here yesterday. I come downstairs at half time. My wife's seen the score. She's seen we're winning two nothing. She's like, good game. I'm going. No, isn't it? Because they don't want to play us now because Joe Aribo's absolutely busted. He's not going to get it. She's like, oh, I, don't, I, I don't know anymore how to work out when you're going to be in a good mood. <laughs> but it's no, I mean, there's, there is reasons. Right? We'll talk, we'll come back. We'll come back to it. 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 Let's, let's focus on something. Yeah. Dougie, I mean, to, to sort of emphasise that, I was having a look at the, the stats uh, after the game. You know, 77, 77% possession. 25 shots uh, compared to St Mirren's one. Seven corners compared to St Mirren's one. I mean, everything about it, as I said earlier on, the most disappointing thing is that we didn't win by more. You know what I mean? It's it's as one-sided as a game without there being a huge scoreline, as, as I think I can remember seeing. Yeah, Cole, we were excellent. Um, I think Alex touched on it. We were excellent against St Mirren. Um, you've quoted some stats. I've got some stats since, since Gio came in. Uh, we've played nine. We've won eight, we've drew one, and that was in a nothing game against Leon. We've obviously lost zero. League won seven out of seven. Um, league points won 21 out of one. Scored 17, conceded two, clean sheet seven. But I think that the two stats that really strike for me are goals per game is 1.88 and conceded per game is 0.22. And I think the St Mirren game is probably testament to exactly what a GO team looks like. We never look like conceding. The zero is very important to Gio, and I think you know everyone spoke about how um, solid we were in at the back last season. I think we're seen as being back to our solid That's best right, yeah. again um, under Gio. But I think my frustration was about us not going on and, and scoring more goals um, at the beginning of the game. We were three goals behind Celtic in goal difference. I seen St. Mirren as a huge opportunity for going scores. Take, but I look at that one eight per what you see in the team as sees the professional, and I think it's two now probably typical type of side just now that you see expect a You seem to be cutting out a bit, Doogie. Uh, is it the same as you, Alex? Is he cutting out? Yeah, yeah, you're cutting out, cutting out a wee bit. Uh, so I'll come to Alex now and, and let Doogie get that sorted. Uh, I mean, looking at the sort of the, the players that had a major impact on the game, uh, Scott Wright back into the team, you know, got his goal. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a player that 
you know, when he when, when he first arrived, caught right, I thought he made a really a, a big impact, really impressive. Uh, he started the season well. That goal against Livingston on the opening day of the season was an absolute peach. And I thought, I thought at that point, you know, there's a chance this guy's this boy's going to kick on and, and and start to you know get game time and, and starts and stuff like that. And it hasn't quite happened for him. And he's, he's sort of certainly under Gerard, it felt like he was going the other way. You know, he was getting less game time and and not coming in as much. Seems to me that Gio rates him, you know, and, and is and is trying to get him game time. And uh, I thought he played well yesterday. He took his goal well. You know, a good header. You know, a good leap at the back post for the goal. Which is not the kind of goal you'd expect in Scott Wright to score. So it was lovely to see that he's got yeah. that in his, his armoury. Um, I, I think Gio seems to have started off um, his tenure as manager by just getting the kind of accepted first-team squad, as many of them, the first the, the first 11 out and playing. And you're starting to wonder, is Scott Wright like, going, to get a, going to get a shout? Um, so it's been nice to see him coming in, and as you say, he's only coming in because he's he's doing well. Um, last week, I think it was maybe just kind of almost by default against the United. We could have a we could have a separate pod about Yanis Hadji, you know, uh, discussing um, the Yanis Hadji situation, what we like from Yanis, what we think is good at, what we think is bad at. But I think he was he was getting, as we all know, it was getting some real stick. Um, not really voluble last Saturday had you against the United but he wasn't he wasn't doing what people wanted him to do he wasn't having the best of touches you know he wasn't the best of games um, I still think he was doing a lot of things really right um, and he gets kind of misunderstood at times but I think when Scott Wright come on and he gave people what they I think it's a confusion because Yanis Hadji plays on the right wing it's it's not Gilles not for a second trying to say that Yanis Hadji is a stereotypical winger as, and he's, he's pacey or whatever I think people can misunderstand how he's used but when Scott Wright comes on and plays wide right and and Hadji's place, everybody's like, aye, that's what I'm expecting to see. You know, when he's piling through. He's a bit more direct, I think. Yeah, he's, he's, right. he's, he's more direct and he's more pacey as well, mate. That's what people yeah. love. You know, people can't help wanting to see that uh, going up the wing, even though it might not always be the, um, the only way to use the wing. But he was fantastic yesterday and he was getting past players really in kind of electric fashion. Um, that's him got two goals under Gio. I think he had two goals under Stevie Jenkins scored against St Johnston last season up at McDermott that kind of that midweek game just, just after we'd, we'd won the league and all that before we played St Johnston in the Cup I think he scored in, in that game a kind of nothing match and as you say he's got that one um, the first game of the season against Levy a lovely goal um, but yesterday he had Tanzer on toast you know um, he scored against Leon as well uh, away to Leon so it's a kind of classier uh, opponent a kind of higher level a, a European group match um, bit of deflection that night but you know we'll take it and he'll take it we'll count Aye, absolutely, mate. He's, and it was his goal. What, you know, it was on target. What else was he so. trying to do? He was trying yeah, to score. Trying and he went score. in, so yeah. aye, that'll do for me. Um, and I thought yesterday, he, he just, he, he, he talked to Tanzer, um, took him to pieces, and his anticipation, his, his touch as well. He had to be chance in the second half where he kind of takes the ball off a rebo and glides and takes it away from the fella and he just, he's unlucky. He comes back off the post, the far, the far post. But he was a step ahead, you know, of... I sit there in teams, I say, who... Obviously, they're weakened, but still, we had a lot more first-team players back in the squad yesterday. It wasn't, it wasn't all a, you know, a bunch of young boys yesterday. Uh, well, I, I, I did hear a wee rumour about that. I did hear, you know, child labour laws meant that St Mum couldn't field the same team as it fielded against Celtic. I might be wrong, start, but that's what I've heard. If we're going to start getting into the jokes about last Wednesday night, we'll be here all night, man. Did you see the photograph of the subs? My, my son sent me oh, a photograph I, of the cinnamon subs on. I was like, no way is that their subs? And it was. It, it looked like the, the ball boys, you know what I mean? Yeah, One of them never even had age, a name in the back of his shirt. A guy in my age, like, guys in their 30s can look too young, but that was that that was absolutely frightening. My favourite was uh, that Tom Rogic got a booking for telling one of the midfielders that um, Santa wasn't real. <laughs> nah, I, I, a few of them failed a drugs test because they, they, had, they had Calpol in the system. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yesterday, aye, was so yesterday, yesterday, the worry was that stuff was going to come back and bite us in the ass because we had two or three days of, of laughing at St. Mirren. Um, but Scott Wright was a big part of making sure that didn't happen. And the one thing I'll just say, Colin, that I also thought was a bonus was the way he linked up with uh, Alfie and Aribo in particular. I know they're good players anyway, but there was an understanding there. You could see yeah. they were in there's a, there was a bit in the second half, I think Alfie knocks a ball round and you can at first you're thinking, where's that going to? But he knows Scott Wright is going to beat the fella um, ahead of him. Um, and Scott Wright gets onto it. Um, and Aribo also was reading him really well for that chance where he ends up hitting the post. Um, he, he looks like he's a real part of the team now. And look, we're looking at the kind of how many players we might be missing come Groundhog Day, second of February? We might need Scott Wright to be to be on the right hand side and, and and having a good game. I mean, that might be the, the day of the night he totally announces himself. Dougie, uh, on to Morelos, you know, second goal, and you know, I think it's his sixth game. Sorry, sixth goal in eight games under Gio. 
And you know, I, th- I think I think he looks a bit trimmer. He certainly looks more mobile. You know, he's 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 more about the pitch than he used to be. And I also think positionally, uh, he seems to be in the right places now. That's something that used to frustrate me about him was you know when the ball was going into the box, and maybe it was the way he's been asked to play under Gerard. You know, he used to come deep a lot, but whenever the ball was coming into the box, you're like, where's our striker? You know what I mean? And and I, I do think he was carrying a wee bit of weight. Uh, you know, under Gerard, but then at the moment he's he's coming close to being the sort of the Morelos for sort of that first season that Gerard arrived when he was scoring every week. You know, he just such a handful of players, uh, such such a handful as a player, sorry. And it, it's great to see. You know, it's great to see that, that this guy who it frustrates me, and I think he frustrates a lot of Rangers supporters. But it's great when he's in this kind of form because you know that the the people that he frustrates more is the opposition. You know, they start to really hate him. and I mean, they hate him anyway, but they hate him even more when he's scoring goals. And it's, it's great to see him in that form again and being hungry again. Yeah, hopefully my technical issues have been resolved with an old pair of headphones, Colin. Yeah, you sound a lot better, do you? I, I mean, you just missed an absolutely brilliant point, dare I say, as well earlier on. It was a cracker. Um, <laughs> but as for Morelos... Um, we were actually talking about Morelos on Christmas Day because his wife had posted on Instagram the picture of Alfie and his, and his kids. Um, and we were all speaking about he looked like the lean Morelos. Um, I think latterly under Gerard, he did look like he was carrying a few extra pounds. Um, I thought Morelos was brilliant. I thought he was back to, you know, you refer to it as you know, close to his best. I thought he looked hungry again. He was all over the park. He, he had the work rate, but he was in the box at the right times. And I think that was a criticism that I had of Morelos latterly under Gerard as he was dropping deeper and deeper to try and get involved in the game. And I think I think his um, <laughs> movement in the final third and his, you know, his position in the box is actually more testament to the way that Gio is playing football. I think under Gerard, we became a wee bit predictable and stale that Morelos felt the need to drop deeper to get more involved. And I think, um, you know, Alex touched on it earlier on, when, when Jim Goodwin started referring to parking the bus, you know, Giovanni van Bronckhorst countered that by playing two number 10 centrally and, and, and Aribo and Hadji, as well as two out-and-out wingers. We went for it. And what that meant was then that you didn't have to have and rely on Morelos coming deep because you had other players who were able to you know, carry the ball and create chances for our goal scorer. And, and I think the word goal scorer is key for me here because you, know, you just spoke about Morelos' record under Gio. Um, for a player who seemingly has been um, off form this year. He's now the second top goal scorer in the league with eight goals behind the Dundee United bound um, Tony Watt who's on nine. But I think one of the important stats there is that Tony Watt has zero assists against Alfredo Morelos's four. Um, one of the things I've said throughout... But, but hold, on, Dougie, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me he scored more goals than the sensation as Kyogo? He's actually scored the same but he has more assists than Kyogo. Um, he's go. also got two hey. hamstrings. If that boy wasn't fouled as much, he'd have scored more goals in the whole league put together. Leave, leave yeah. that boy alone. <laughs> it's a shame for poor Kyogo, isn't it? It is, man. Terrible. Um, but, you know, the fact that Alfredo Morales has four assists as well on top of the goals that he scored shows that his all-round game is improving. And, you know, we're going to talk about January soon. February is a key month for us. And I think it's February that we are going to rely on guys like Morales really being on top form and you're going away to places like Celtic Park. You've also got the double header against Borussia Dortmund. I really hope that Alfredo Morales is one of the players that, that brings his form back into um, into the games after the after the winter break that should never have, have been brought forward. Like, see, if, if we want to draw a line in the sand with Morelos, you know, I, I, I sort of a low point was that game against Hibs in the semi final. And when you look at the the Morelos of the last two or three games compared to that game, it, it's hard to even. Contemplate that that it's the same player. It really is because that Tom, I thought that performance. Alone. Yeah, I thought that performance against Habs in the semi final was borderline scandalous. I've never seen a striker look so disinterested in a game. And when you look at it now, it's night and day. I was on the podcast after the Habs game, um, Colin, and, and I was scunnered, absolutely scunnered. But he wasn't alone. You know, we sat here and spoke about Connor Goldson, for example, who had an absolutely shambolic game and he, he obviously went on to have the comments um, post-match as well. I think you're seeing a lot of guys that are, you know, we, we spoke about in the podcast, we need to see these guys roll up their sleeves and prove that they want to play for Rangers. And, you know, 
Golden is doing that. Morelos is doing that. Aribo has been absolutely sensational. Alex has spoke about it. He is a clear player of the year um, in Scotland. Forget Kyogo. Aribo is where it's at right now. But the player that I criticised, and I need to apologise publicly, I criticised Alan McGregor. You know, I, I actually used the phrase, Alan McGregor could be done um, on the podcast after the Hibs game. And look what's happened since then. What is it, six clean sheets, seven, seven clean sheets he's had since then? Incredible form from Alan McGregor since in his, his press conference. I know we're going to come on to, to talking about the COVID situation. I don't think you'll ever see Alan McGregor put his hand up any more than what he did for that press conference. He was dying to get in front of the camera and start talking about sport and integrity. Yeah, yeah. And as I say, we'll come on to that. Yeah, Bending the spirit of sporting integrity and all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, what Doogie says there, Alex, you know, the, 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 the difference between certain players and you know, at the tail end of Gerard uh, in that game when we didn't really have anyone managing the team against Hibs to since Geo's arrived. You know, it all points to the impact that, that Geo's had since since he's taken over. So that's that's seven games uh, in the league, you know, six clean sheets, seven wins. You know, in terms of the, the improvement, it's off the scale compared to where we were before. You know, we, we looked vulnerable before, very inconsistent. Now we're just boom. As, as, as Doogie mentioned earlier on, the goal difference, which was quite significant at one point, the difference between us and Celtic, it's now down to we're only one behind them. And, and we missed an opportunity uh, yesterday, I think, to, to either level it or, or, or go ahead. So you, you would have to say that his impact in the first seven games has, has been tremendous. You know, there's no other way. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I've seen their stats saying it's the best start of, of any Rangers manager. You know, seven games, seven wins. Aye, um, and I've, I've no idea if it is, but I'll just sit here and go, yeah, that sounds right, you know, and and, and run away if you're actually checking up to see who, who has had the best the, the best starters Rangers manager. But I can't, I can't Alex, think. Anybody, Alex, we're amateurs. It doesn't need to be right. Exactly. You know, as long exactly. as long as we've got content, that's all that matters. The main thing is, remember, it was it was it six games in a row we lost the first goal. You know, that's nine yeah, games. That, in a row. Yeah, that, that, yeah, we've, we've scored the first goal. Even that's a week and a, just a kind of pop hit, a week and a thing to automatically hang on to and show what a difference he's made. We've never been behind in a game since he took over. Um, we've conceded one equaliser you know, against Leon, uh, and that's in Leon in a European group stage. They're a Champions League team. It's been absolutely smashing to the point where, as you know, Colin, I've got this kind of a perverse attitude where it's like, I want to see a bit of struggle so I know that it's bedding in properly. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like it could be too good to be true. The players will maybe will never know, but there's... You know, we don't know what was happening at the beginning of the season. You know, was Stephen Gerrard just jaded and he was looking for another, a new challenge and that was communicating itself to the players. Um, but there was definitely something going on. And I think, it, Dougie, we were all the same, mate. We were all thinking, is Alan McGregor done here? That that, that semi-final really did throw us uh, the, the entire support uh, for a wobbly because we, we, we hadn't really seen anything like that from the team. Um, and I think that's, I have this theory that what has happened is they were determined to prove that Stephen Gerrard wasn't the sole reason that they'd won 55. He wasn't the, they could, they could, you know, go on without him. Um, and I think they've, they've messed with their own heads somehow uh, in, in that game because it was a really, a really untypical uh, performance uh, from a, a great set of players. But Gio has come in and he's moved them up another level. And I'm still worried because the new manager bounce won't stop. We just keep doing brilliantly. Yeah. Um, and I, what I do like though is I think yesterday we saw the difference between yesterday's game and the game against Dundee United who were in the same it was the same situation Dundee United riddled with COVID playing young players you know in a really bad situation we had a no-win situation and we kind of struggled that day and it was almost like is that the low point is that the moment you know where you know the, the new manager bounces worn off and it's just sheer determination because yesterday as I say we looked like the week we've had with Gio on the training field, the week the players have had to rest and get properly trained by Gio and his team, Dave Voss from ABC. We're going to, you know, it really did show yesterday we looked, we, we didn't get the goals. You're right, that was a, was a chance missed to, to, to rack up the goal difference. Um, but they really, they got the game won and never really looked like giving anything away. And they did it with a kind of level of professionalism that maybe was lacking in the Dundee United game. And uh, this is the big frustration, and it's really difficult not to talk about you know, the, the situation with the league. Um, because I would like another couple of games quickly. You know, no matter who we're playing, I would just like to have seen what was happening uh, before we go on a break. You know, and then when we come back to the break, obviously we're going to be missing players as well. So it's it's difficult to know how you know how far Gio's going to be able to take it. Um, but 
I, I think the, the, the difference has just been like night and day, and it's almost like his manner as well. I've always talked about this. He's quite um quite cool, quite level headed. Um, as I say, Stevie G, love him. I did love Stevie G a little bit. Um, I always will. But he was always up for a fight. He was always kind of on it, a bit cheeky, you know. With his geo, it's almost kind of dead behind the eyes at times. The, the opposite he was as a play, to what he was like as a player. Yeah. Um, he just looks like he is on it. He's con. He's constantly just thinking football, thinking tactics. Really cold. He's not going to get over excited about anything. He's just making sure that team goes out there. And even the way, like I didn't articulate it properly uh, earlier on because I've, I've had my first beer, so obviously that's been rattled. But um, the way. The, the fullbacks, we've, we've seen this thing, we're, we're just getting used to, oh, one fullback sits, another one goes forward under Gio. And that's because we've got Kamara sitting on his own to give a bit of extra protection. But yesterday, St. Mirren said they're going to park the bus. So Gio's like, Barisic can hit the byline, but he's coming back. But James Tavernier is just going to sit on the right wing or the inside right position. And Tav had about three, three brilliant shots for outside the box yesterday. Um, he, he's adapting to games but it's not in a way that's so spectacular and so different he's, he's adapting to the opposition but it's not in a way that confuses the players from the 4-3-3 the they were playing all season under Gerrard um, so he's, he seems really intelligent and also I think he's just what the players need just now they've done the thing they've got the 55 and the desperation and the emotion that came with us needing to get that and then getting it and we've now got this cool ca- character who's in there just getting everything levelled out and we're just but we should just be moving on to the next level the same my frustration is I don't know if that's going to happen just yet the, the, the thing the thing that that's really st- stuck out for me and, and I know Dougie mentioned a couple of things earlier on about the thing that's most impressed him I think it was 13 games into the season in the league 13, 14 games when Gerard left and we conceded 13 goals we've had another 7 games and we've conceded 1 so well that's know, it that's, Gerard that's, last season he lost 13 goals in the league and it was a, it was a record and then he's went and he's lost 13 goals in the league this season, then left. So it's, it's quite it's quite remarkable. And uh, I we're right we're right back to I don't even I mean Alan McGregor's had a couple of cracking saves uh, under Gio. He, he's done well, but I think it's like yesterday he had nothing to do. Nothing to do. Literally, literally he, nothing. He'd have been as well sitting with me watching ah. the shit stream for TV. Exactly. Somebody <laughs> said that on Twitter that he could a fan could have had a could have had 500 man fans in there. <laughs> You, know, you just stole was... my punchline, Alex. That was my <laughs> next joke. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, there you go. But I right, right guys. On to the on to the five hundred. Uh, move away from the uh, you know the game yesterday, and on to the sort of stuff that surrounded it uh, over the, the past week. All the sort of announcements and uh, the, you know the moving of the winter break. So I mean, the first stage of that, and I think we all kind of felt it was coming. I st- I started to get the fear. I remember watching. Uh, the highlights package for the Champions League on, on match day six, the sort of last game of, of the of the group stages, and a few empty stadiums and places like Germany and Holland and stuff like that because of COVID. And it kind of took me back to like March 2020 when all this started. You know, you'd, you'd sort of seen that happening elsewhere in Europe and it felt like it was coming. Uh, so I, I don't think that we were hugely surprised that uh, there was going to be some announcement but the, the 500 people, you know, to go from full stadiums to 500 people, uh, you know, hospitality has also been sort of, I wouldn't say hammered, but, you know, they've got restrictions uh, in place now, you know, back to the table service and all that kind of thing. Meanwhile, other industries like retail, you know, I, I believe places like Brayhead and Springburn absolutely mobbed, you know, January sales have kicked off, all indoors. You know, it does feel that, that that certain industries, if we want to call that, are, are, are being targeted here. Uh, and 500 fans, really, really disappointing. Yeah, let's be honest, Colin. The picture of 500 fans sitting inside a 50,000-seater stadium made a mockery of the complete decision because, as you say, most season ticket holders who would regularly go to the game and sit outside... I mean, I'm not going to try and talk science here about COVID, right? We're not, we're not here to be science experts, but um, I tell you what, it's a lot safer sitting inside an outside stadium than it is going to the pub, which is what most supporters went and done with all their pals when they they, they couldn't go to the game. And the ones who didn't go to the game, or didn't go to the pub, as you say, they ended up getting dragged to Brayhead or Silverburn with their missus. Um, And and there is talk of places like Brayhead being absolutely mobbed. Um, I've seen the Stenhouse Muir chairman, Ian McMenemy, um, was in a Scotsman today saying... Yeah, it's a very good that, a very good piece in the Scotsman, actually. Yeah, it was unusual for the Scotsman. Um, but he was saying that uh, he feels that Scottish football has been let down 
and he wonders if there's something deeper at work. And it does definitely feel like football is an easy target for Nicola Sturgeon. And Newcastle are playing Man United right now on the telly. 150 miles down the road is a you know a full capacity happening um, in, in England, and and you know that's where politics becomes very frustrating right now. You know, is is COVID more transmittable in Scotland than it is in England? No. Um, so why is Nicola Sturgeon punishing football fans but allowing you know shoppers to continue to go about their business? I definitely agree with Ian McMenemy. I, I think football has been made a scapegoat right now, and it's an easy scapegoat for the SNP. Alex, it's, it, I, I mean the, the whole cross border thing. I don't even think you need to you need to look at that. I, I would go back to July when you know there was there was rugby games going on at Murrayfield with fourteen thousand fans in it. I mean, Hearts applied to get fans in. I think they were only allowed like five, six, seven hundred in at a time. Now, look, I, I don't want to try and belittle the situation, you know, because people have died, you know, and you know it's 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 the biggest thing that's happened in, in sort of my lifetime, you know, in terms of, I've always viewed it as, it's kind of like my World War Two, if you know what I mean. This is, you know, this must be what it was like, a similar sort of feeling as, as to going through this, this, the Second World War, you know, having to live your life differently and a lot of fear and all that kind of thing. And people have lost, you know, loved ones and family members and all that kind of thing. So I don't want to do it down. And, and I, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be in the, the, the people that are making these decisions, whether it be UK government, devolved governments, I wouldn't be want to be in their shoes and, and, and making these decisions. But I think a lot of supporters, it's just the inconsistency that, that goes here. So, you know, go back to July, that game at Tynecastle, you know, only 500 supporters allowed in. You know, when I went to one of the games at Ibrox, when it was a very restricted capacity in July, you know, there was no food stalls open. It was very much get into your seat and don't talk to anybody else, mask on, you know, sit. Meanwhile, at Murrayfield, they're, they're queued 10 deep at the bar. You know what I mean? To get a pint, and you're just like, well, does the science does 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 this uh, virus know? Well, that's rugby. We'll not we'll not we'll not attack them. But when it's football, we will. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. And it and it just I, I was I, don't get me wrong. I was expecting some sort of announcement in terms of capacities and stuff like that. Because as I said, I, watching the games in the in the Champions League and seeing empty stadiums there, it was just how it went from full stadium to. 500. I mean, St Mirren and Celtic two day, two three days ago, you know, capacity. You know, you're thinking, well, if it's emergency, if this is a, a, a health emergency, surely everything stops now. That's it, right? We need to stop now. But no, it's like two, three days, right? And then that's it. Come Saturday, boom. You know, and, and, and I think that's what frustrates supporters. I think that's what makes them uh, get annoyed and get angry and, 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 and make them feel that they've been treated differently. Yeah, and it's two two tiers of politics. You've got you know party politics. You've got I don't have any time for the the regimes at Holyrood or Westminster just now. But it's the way it's 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 easily used by them. Uh, football uh, is easily used like political football, you know. And it's yeah. they've done this they've done this before. Um, it's not just COVID. I remember the game. Uh, what was it? Two thousand ten, two thousand eleven season. You know, with the Celtic put us out the Scottish Cup in the replay, then it got a bit towsy at Parkhead. Ali McCoyst and Neil Lennon had their famous kind of tete-a-tete, you know, a bit of handbags, 60,000 folk at Parkhead just coming, oh, what's happening? All right, and all went home. And next day on Sky Sports News, Alex Salmond was doing a State of the Nation address from Butte House about the, the toxicity of the old firm. It was like, I've given a fact there were two guys get sent off and there was no violence in the streets or anything. And it's just... I've always thought that's just, and all governments do this. I know a lot of folk at their support. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against any particular party, but I think um, it gets used to deflect because there's nothing. There's, in, in Scotland, in particular, if you want to get attention for anything, just attach Rangers and Celtic to it, and immediately you've got a kind of populist interest in, in the topic. Um, we've then got the football politics that comes in after that as to how you react to. Um, whatever the government or, or whatever the Scottish government are telling us to do. Um, so there's a difference going on, obviously, just now between the Westminster reaction and the Holyrood reaction. And we all, anybody who watches politics knows a lot of that is deliberate because the Holyrood government wants to be seen to be different uh, from, the, from the Westminster government, just wants to be seen to be different from, from, from anything uh, coming from England. Um, and really, it should be, as we're saying, just the primary, the, the primary thing just now is to save folks' lives. And there's a lot worse going on, as we say, than 
football fans going into a stadium and breathing in the fresh air. Um, I don't think this thing's... I, I'm being completely naive here. People are still dying from it. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's multiplying. But I'm hoping... That it's uh, so many people have been treble jabbed now, myself included. You know, you know, we, we've got three jabs, and hopefully that they're saying that the, the variants get less virulent um, as more people kind of can catch it and are you know resistant to it. Um, that's about the extent of my scientific uh, knowledge. But I think we could be back at the stadiums come February, March. Might not be, might be a, a, a pipe dream. Might be the season. The season's over in terms of fans being in stadiums. But I'm quite up for a, a circuit breaker. I think if we can do something to stop this virus, but the, as you say, the whole of society's got to got to do the same. You know, uh, just to target fans at football stadium just seems absolutely uh, crazy. Um, we've all been in situations, as you say, shopping centres, pubs, everything that's far worse. You know, uh, than, than than sitting at Ibrox Square. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example that I was in. I went to get my my booster a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and I had to I had to queue. And I, I actually walked out. It was that bad. The queue was, honestly, God, it was a mile long in a small corridor, low roof, hundreds of people all crammed into this corridor queuing for their jab. And I'm just like, this is a COVID nightmare. And, and, and this was before the, the announcement was made about restrictions in stadiums and stuff like that. But I left just because, one, I wasn't prepared to wait the length of time. I had an appointment. Uh, I can't remember what it was for. It was like five o'clock or something. It was about tea time. But I was told, no, you just need to queue. But there was people in the queue who didn't have an appointment. Aye. So I was like, well, what's the point of me having an appointment to come down at five o'clock when all, all, all you're asking me to do is join a queue that's a mile long in a corridor and there's a COVID nightmare? So I chucked it. I was just like, no, I'm not waiting. I'll wait until it's died down a wee bit because I'm not, I'm not taking an hour and a half out of my life to stand in a small corridor that's a COVID nightmare. But it, it is, it's frustrating. Don't get me wrong, I'd... I, I don't take this lightly and uh, it's you know it's, it's it's I've got my wife works for the NHS and she's told me some horrific stories in terms of the stuff that she's had to put up with and all that kind of stuff uh, but it does feel that there's inconsistencies in, in the well, games and, and, and I can and I completely understand fans frustrations with it my wife's a teacher and suddenly teachers are apparently immune they're apparently immune to COVID. COVID doesn't spread in schools. We all know children are super spreaders of everything because every time my wife goes back to school after uh, the summer holidays, I've got a flu within a month yeah. of her coming back. You know what I mean? Uh, within, a, within a week of her starting back. Um, and that's, you know, it's not to do with the wings. Can you help yeah. people to get childcare while they get to work, basically? Um, so it's, it's, I think we're in the same situation. Well, you're cutting it, Eck. <laughs> You're cutting out a wee bit there. You're cutting it. Sorry, missed the last point there. Dougie, we'll, we'll move away from the announcement in terms of, you know, the government announcement in terms of the restrictions and all the rest of it, and move on to the SPFL's reaction, which felt very 2007, 2008, and, and it felt very like one club was leading it. Uh, you know, all of a sudden the winter break uh, is they want to pull it forward and. And, and fans mean everything and all that kind of thing. You know, the same club who was happy not to play games at all, you know, the last sort of six, seven games of uh, a couple of seasons back, are all of a sudden saying, you know, we need fans in the ground and blah, blah, blah. And, and I kind of get that, but the whole, everything about it, and, and uh, I had to laugh yesterday at Dundee making a statement saying, oh, we're in the huff because they wouldn't postpone our game because we've got loads of players with COVID. They voted for this. They voted for the scenario, knowing that they were told by 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 Neil Doncaster that there is no wiggle room at the other end of the the, the, the season. There's that's it. There's very little windows to rearrange games. So if you vote for this, you need to just play the games. One game in, and Dundee are kicking off, saying, "Oh, this isn't fair," and you're just like, "Well, you voted for this, and actually, did you actually think about what you're voting for?" And the whole thing just feels, as I said, it feels very 2007, 2008, that whole time that we asked for, you know, about a wiggle room in terms of rescheduling fixtures. We couldn't get it this time. Or we can just change it like that. That's the issue that I've got just now, Colin. You know, Neil Doncaster is the, you know, the, the main point of contact for the SPFL, but he's there to represent the clubs. And the issue that we've got is that 10 clubs voted in favour of bringing the winter break forward and only two voted against. It seems to be right now that whenever Rangers put forward a case, it's always, oh, look, it's big, bad Rangers. And 
Celtic and everyone else seems to always vote against whatever Rangers are voting for to hell with the consequences of it. And I think what we've seen very quickly with the Dundee scenario is, you know, the penny dropping of actually what they've just voted for because, you know, we have a very real scenario right now where fans might not return. When, when football returns, I think the first game back is the 16th of January. I'd be surprised if, if um, stadiums are at full capacity on the 16th of January. But, you know, Neil Doncaster made a very blasé comment around, you know, if that's the case, then we'll just continue to play games as of the 16th of January with 500 supporters, as if that wasn't an option at the moment. Um, but the, for, for the 10 clubs, including Dundee, who have voted um, in favour of bringing the, um, the winter break forward, I have no sympathy if, if they lose players through COVID because I think it was very well known um, at the voting um, that there's no remaining fixtures. If, if there's any clubs that are suffering with COVID, um, there is no wriggle room. You know, we have, we have used the wriggle room right now to bring the winter break forward. So if, if there's any clubs suffering with, with, um, with COVID situations, there's no, no room for postponement and therefore the game must go ahead. And I think, what was it with, with, uh, with Dundee? They had 11 players um, fit and two goalkeepers. Um, or three goalkeepers, should I say, which is basically what the criteria is. It needs to be 13 um, first-team players available. And was it something like eight players must be over the age of 18? You know, you're going to see, and I don't even know if Dundee have, a, 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 you know, not to mention an under-21s team, I don't even know if they've got an under-18s team. It's something that seems to have been gone, um, you, you know, been sacrificed by a lot of the SPFL teams because of financial restrictions. So, you know, you're talking about players, teams like Dundee who struggle to, to name players to, to play their games. Um, the email probably get lost in a spam somewhere. Um, but yeah, yeah I've, I've been, been here before. before them. Yeah, but I've, I've got one last point, which is kind of digressing a little bit. And it's a, it's a serious point to be made because um, we all watch CJ Novo's um, latest update on his podcast. And one of the things that Craig mentioned was football is the only thing. Rangers is the only thing bringing him joy right now. And um, we were chatting about it in our WhatsApp. Um, I was chatting about it to a number of mates in WhatsApp and I was probably staggered by the amount of my mates, including Gary, that resonated with it. Um, where um, for a lot of guys, Gary's got a newborn baby, working from home. Going to Ibrooks was his only release. You know, going to Ibrooks, being with his family, being with his mates was his only release from, you know, imprisonment in their own homes at times. And I was probably a bit staggered by some of the responses from some of my mates that really resonated with Craig saying that, you know, when you take football away from us, they've got nothing else right now that's, that's kind of bringing them joy right now. And the Scottish government and the Scottish football authorities have made this decision right now, potentially for the right reasons from the government's perspective, but the football authorities, I, I, I don't see it. You know, Alex and I had a conversation on Twitter around no football, sorry, you know, no fans inside is, you know, football on TV is better than no football at all. And I think there's a lot of decisions being made right now with fans in mind, apparently. Um, for me, there's there's no fans in mind right now. Um, I'd be surprised, I said, about fans being back in the stadium by the 16th of January. Um, no football is, is not something we want. We want to be able to watch football, even if it's on the telly. I think this is going to have a massive impact on men, uh, mental health, particularly of men. And my very serious point to kind of conclude my monologue is, um, please, I urge everyone who's listening and watching along just now to look after themselves at the moment. Um, winter's typically a, a bad month for mental health anyway. My DMs are open. If there's anybody that's struggling with mental health and just wants to talk to someone, um, the Jersnet community are all open. You know, feel free to message us if anyone's struggling right now. Um, and, and hopefully when football does return, we can be inside Ibrox again, supporting our team with our, with our mates and our family. Alex, I, I, you know what Doogie's saying there in terms of you know obviously the, the impact on mental health and stuff like that. But this this isn't about fans, I don't think. You know, this is very much led by uh, one club's desire not to play a, a particular fixture at this particular moment in time. I think we've been here before, as I said, and uh, you know, for a club that that really fans about sporting integrity at will at times. You have to question the sporting integrity in a club saying, well, we want to rearrange a fixture which will allow us 
uh, to get players which are currently out injured back and will also allow us to get reinforcements through the door. So we're going to buy, they keep on talking about these three Japanese players that are going to bring in uh, in January. Those will now all be available for, for the game against us. I think it's the 2nd of February the game takes place now. And we may missing players. You know, it depends on how far certain countries get in African Cup of Nations, but we could now be missing several key players for that fixture, whereas they will have key players back and will have added to their numbers. So where is the sporting integrity in that? And the other thing is, we, I mean, the way Joe Arrivo was playing yesterday, we could have players just sold. You know, yeah. Celtic, Celtic squad cannot get any worse in the transfer window. Ours can. You know, they can, they can but improve Celtic during, during the January transfer window. We could lose, you know, seriously key players. Um, and it's the irony, you know, let's call it the irony, because I think Rangers probably behind the scenes maybe came to the agreement that if, if Celtic are getting a go at a, a COVID decimated St Mirren, we want to go at them as well. But nevertheless, the talk has been about we need to have stadiums uh, with fans in them. Celtic have played at Parkhead empty. Rangers have straight away. We've played at an empty Ibrox, um, and Celtic haven't. You know, it's it's. It, 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 you need to go back to the, the, the actual looking at this from the outside. Um, I'll, I just look like the classic ranting nutcase that I don't that, that that I never wanted Rangers fans to become. That I never wanted to be. There's a whole debate within the Rangers support, um, which is framed around how you use the phrase. Um, dignified silence. If you kind of spit it out, you think Rangers should be saying a lot more about these things. Like me, I actually like the dignified silence thing, but it's a massive dichotomy. How do you call out what you see as basically cheating, moral or otherwise? You, how do you call out what you see as cheating without sounding like a bit of a cheat yourself when it's, you know, when the whole of the elite are, you know, 10 out of 12 have, have agreed to go with us? I think this is actually the least. It's, it's because of it's, it's because of recent history. It's because of the Celtic um, that we've been up against since Peter Law was involved with Celtic. I always see it as, you know, we've always I mean, Rangers fans and Celtic fans are always going to have a, a real paranoia about each other, a real obsession with each other. They're going to see both clubs as a kind of, you know, um, confirmation bias thing. You're going to see both clubs. You're going to see the opposite club in the worst possible light most of the time, and you've got to have a really hard look at yourself when it comes to these kind of things. And I'm trying to see what is what is it that we we were getting out of this. We're, you know, I need to be honest with myself so I don't sound like the classic paranoid Celtic fan talking about Rangers. Um, and we wanted to play these games just now because we would get Celtic second of January. We're on form. They've got a lot of injuries, but basically that's the fixture schedule. That's we're messing with this. There's no need to stop playing football because because of COVID. And as Doogie is saying, you're absolutely uh, spot on, Doogie. Well said, sir. And uh, also much love out to CJ Novo, an absolute gentleman. Um, and a, a terrible to see a, a fellow like that who gives so much joy, uh, having a hard time himself. So I'd like to see him back as quick as possible. And I hope he's, I hope he's all right. Um, but it absolutely 100% does affect the mental health not to have football to follow. You know, I forgot there was no crowds last season. Just watching the games on Rangers TV or, or on Sky or on BT or whatever. Just, you, if you love your team, you don't care. You do care. You want to be there more than anything else. You, that, that's the thing you want. But ultimately, you're supporting that team and you want to see that team doing well. We're getting the Jock Steen thing quoted at us these days about football is nothing yeah, without yeah, the fans. But Jock, the fans are there. We've all paid for our season tickets. We paid yeah. for season tickets last season. You know, and we watched the football via television. The fans can be there now via technology. You know, the celebrations last season that, they weren't. They were. They were off the scale for us. It meant the world to us last season. The fact there was no fans there, and the fact we couldn't get into the stadium, made almost zero difference to how much we loved our team and how much we enjoyed that season. You know, it's something you look back on me a bit of regret. But you know, the game can go on, and the fans can still be involved. They can still see the games happening live, and it really does affect the, your mental health. But that's not something you would pause it as an argument. It's when we're having like the Alan Burrows uh, of Motherwell and Celtic uh, coming back at us with this lifeblood of the game. You know, there's always, yeah. there's always, there's always got to be a little kind of euphemism, a little kind of, you know, six to seven syllable phrase that's really emotive and really emotionally blackmailing and quite sickening. And it always comes out within 24 hours of something like this happening. I remember when, we all remember, we're thinking about Phil O'Donnell dying and uh, that, 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 that fixture being, that fixture being postponed, which would be absolutely fine if they'd done the United, you know, 
players who were there when Phil O'Donnell sadly passed away that day, if they'd be allowed to cancel their next fixture, they guys were traumatised had to go out and play um, their, their next game. Tommy Burns passed away at the end of that season, you know, an even bigger Celtic legend, and there was no desire um, to, to cancel Celtic's next league fixture because that was the one they were going to, they were going to win the league. Yeah. Um, that's up to Celtic if they want to do that kind of thing. But I think it's just, it, when you have a team who were quite happy to curtail the season, not play football matches at all, fans or no fans, and be awarded a league title in a boardroom. There was no talk then about we've got to have fans in the grounds that doesn't count for anything. You know, you look, they, they managed that in England. They managed to they managed to finish the season down in England. Do you know what I mean? So Liverpool were going for the most emotional title probably of their history. A, a team that's won European cups, you know, but hasn't been able to win their own league. And Klopp was was saying, if if this season's got to be called off, it's got to be called off. People's lives are more important. Juventus were also going for nine in a row, an ongoing Italian record at the time. They, I mean, no Juventus like a bit of match fixing. You know, they were saying. We're not taking this title. This has got to get played on the park. Yeah. You know, they had a badge in so, you know, 30 so campo of it. They're all about playing it on the park, you know. That's a thing for them now. But Celtic, it was just, no, we'll take this title, thanks. And we'll celebrate it. You know, and we'll parade this trophy. And, you know, it's it, it just goes against the spirit of the game. And I look at myself and I know we've got Celtic fans. Um, you're always going to you're always going to back your team, you're always going to naturally, instinctively want to back your own club. You know, as I say, I've got to look at my own bias in this as well. And they'd obviously gone on about the whole thing about Rangers don't even exist as far as you're concerned, but it's never seemed to have stopped them selling it their away end at Ibrox. Um, but for me, it just looks like moral, you know, ethical, sportsmanship, cheating. It's just cheating. Um, it, when you continually mess with the fixture schedule, when you don't want Rangers to get the time to play a European final, in you know 2000, 2008, when you when you want to cut short a season, when you want to hold on the Scottish Cup, you know uh, to the following season so you can get a chance yeah, to win yeah. another treble, and then you'd want to bring at a time when as Dougie was saying as, as, as we're all saying we should be getting in as many fixtures as possible just now. We should be using the winter break that was coming up to get more. We should be bringing the fixtures forward, know the break, you know, to, to, to get the season played. Because we and we've been affected by COVID this season, but that doesn't get mentioned. You would actually forget. There's people on Twitter, Celtic fans saying, "Funny how Rangers never get." What with the COVID yeah, last time we've been? I saw, I saw, I saw a good tweet the other day because Stephen Gerrard is obviously, uh, I think he's tested positive recently, and they had to miss Aston Villa's game against Chelsea yesterday. So Gary Mack took the team. I saw this Celtic fan tweeting, uh, "I well seen that the DUP COVID testing facility in Northern Ireland." doesn't do Aston Villa and Stevie G now gets COVID and you're like, mate, he literally beat you sitting in his living room on a laptop, you know what I mean? Because he wasn't allowed to go to the game because he had COVID. And you, they just live in another another dimension. It's extenuating circumstances. The minute there's any extenuating circumstances, Celtic sees it and use it. Now listen, this is this is actually the least bad. There is, there's great reasons for, for, for doing what's been done just now. A lot of clubs will be financially hit. And I think that's part of it when Celtic's motivation um, I think they're trying to kind of lay financial seeds to us. They want the 30, 40 million that's going to come from uh, getting next season's Champions League. If we get it, we're then getting right back to being on a level footing with Celtic in financial terms. We've, we've really caught them up in all aspects uh, of Scottish football. So there's, if you're going to get super paranoid about it, these are kind of conspiracy theories, you know, that I would be, we would be mocking if they're coming from the other side. But we just yeah. have to look at the behaviour. We'd have to look at what's happened uh, in, in recent years um, from Celtic and it's, it's a decision of all the clubs in Scotland, except ourselves in Ross County. Um, it's a decision of all the clubs in the top flight. So we, we, we don't want to be too kind of, um, this is a straight out and out conspiracy. And as we say, we might end up, we're actually in a better, we're actually in a better nick when it comes to the 2nd of February um, than we are just now. You know, it might end up benefiting us as well. But when it's just a continual one club being at the centre of continually manipulating, manipulating fixtures until it always comes out in their favour. Um, it has to be called out and, it, and it, like if I heard my man my Giovanni Van Bronckhurst um, or any of our directors talking the way I'm talking just now I would be embarrassed I don't want Rangers people talking like that talking like this you know um, and that is the dichotomy for us as a club and that's something I think we've always had to, we've had to deal with this, this century is how do you react to this kind of stuff from Celtic without becoming like Celtic yeah well we're not because we're we're better than them, let's face it. <laughs> uh, and in and, and every possible way. Uh, guys, looking at the time, we'll, 
kind of running over a wee bit. So just quickly, uh, Dougie, just going into the January window, what's your hopes? Just to maintain the squad that we have? Or, I mean, I, I know Gio has, has already said that he has a, he has a strong idea of, of what he wants to happen in January. So do you think players will go and another couple in? Yeah, I think top priority must be to keep our key players. I think in the past couple of weeks, we've seen guys like Barisic, Kamara and Aribo link the moves south of the border. Um, not to mention the contract situation with Conor Goldson. I think if we receive any offers of, that, that, that kind of meet or exceed our asking price of our players, we will accept them. And I think that has to be a, a concern, um, particularly for Aribo. I think Aribo will gain a lot of attention south of the border, given his performances of late. As I said earlier on, clear player of the year for me so far. Um, but I have every faith in Ross Wilson at the moment, having a, a clear shortlist drawn up that if something does happen and we do move on a player, you know, going back to Aribo, I think if Aribo leaves Rangers, he'll be breaking all sorts of records for highest transfer sale in our history. And I think it's currently held by our manager. Um, it's either our manager or it's Alan Hutton that currently holds the record, I'm not too sure. Um, but I think if Aribo does leave, it'll be for serious money, you know, around the 20 million mark, which would allow us to seriously invest that. But there is a lot of names being mentioned at the moment um, of players that we are rumoured with. Um, names like Wesley Howitt, who's a central defender that plays for Anderlecht. He worked with Ross Wilson at Southampton, potentially Conor Goldson's long-term replacement. But there's other guys like John Suter being mentioned. Um, I do expect some French players to move on, and one French player will possibly be Jack Simpson. It makes a lot of sense to bring in Suter, who's out of contract in the summer, um, and contributes towards the Scottish domestically trained criteria, which is always an issue for us in, in Europe. Um, but there's other names. There's Danilo Dwecki, who was a central defender, linked under Gerard out of contract in the summer as well. Um, we were linked with guys like Joel Rothwell, who's a central midfielder at, at Blackburn, and Jed Wallace, um, who was at Millwall under Gerard. But what will be interesting for me is whether we'll continue to go for that type of player under Van Bronckhorst, or whether we'll move for a different calibre and a different type of player, particularly those of um, Dutch heritage or, or certainly played in the Dutch leagues. Um, one name that came, came up a couple of weeks ago was Xavi Simmons, who's a young player at Paris Saint-Germain. I say a young player at Paris Saint-Germain, that doesn't give him the justice that he deserves. I think he's regarded as one of Paris Saint-Germain's top players, um, top youth players. And if we were able to attract a player of that quality and that calibre, it would be a huge, huge signing for us. Um, and I think it shows potentially the level of player that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is looking at. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with transfers. But for me, um, I'd prefer us to keep our key players calling um, a bit of continuity for the next six months of the season and then possibly allow um, Gio to, to, to kind of um, lay his stamp on the team. But one thing that Alex said earlier on, um, this was the first week that Van Bronckhorst has had um, on the training pitch with, with, with our players, um, able to get his ideas across. We're going to have a, you know, a two, three week period now of that once the players return from holiday. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of reaction the players have when Van Bronckhorst is able to get his um, ideas across on the training pitch and hopefully as we return from the post-winter break we return flying in the form that we are currently at and we move into 2022 and achieve what we all want and that's title 56 And on that Alex very quickly you know 2021 a, a, a great year you know for Rangers uh, not all great you know we had we had some uh, sad moments as well you know we won 55 and I think that's the main thing that's the sort of pinnacle of the year we also we lost Stevie G. You know he went to Aston Villa, and I, I think that all, uh, you know, it was a bit of a shock, and it all impacted on us. And you know, I think Gio coming in has sort of softened that blow because he's came in. You know, we've seen him come in and 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 improve the team in the first sort of seven games. Obviously, the passing of Walter Smith is is the the low point of the year. You know, that was really sad. You know, such a huge icon in the club. So so a, a big year for Rangers twenty twenty one. Very, very quickly, what are your hopes for 2022? 56, as Dougie said, 56 is the main thing, uh, Colin, get that title won, because that takes us into the Champions League. Um, I just hope um, that we're all in the stadium for the night we pump Manchester City and the night we pump Bayern Munich in the, in the group stages. I would hate if we did if we wanted to see that. You know, um, and both cups. I, just want, I want us to win every domestic trophy in the year 2022. 
um, get that Scottish Cup one and also for God's sake Rangers we, we are still the League Cup kings get that bloody League Cup one um, I think that the worst thing about Stephen Gerrard uh, leaving this season was in all respects I was pretending to be mature about it Colin I'm pretending to be I, that this was going to happen I was ready for this um, it was fine but the the timing um, oh, the nature yeah, of how we done it was poor I think the league you know cut I mean? we didn't the only, the only thing that bothered me we didn't get a presser we, we did the first time I knew Stephen Gerrard for certain was leaving was a picture of him holding an Aston Villa jersey yeah. just, give, just give us a presser Stephen before you go you know I maybe kid myself on his PR wouldn't let him do that you know but maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going back to when when the Graham Sunnis had the guts yeah. to sit beside David Murray and get slagged for going to Liverpool. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think we, we, we deserved a, a, a wee press. So that was, that was the thing with the bad taste. But I'm trying to be mature about it, but I realise that I haven't watched a single uh, Stephen Gerrard Aston Villa game, even the highlights on Match of the Day too, except the night we get beat at home by Man City because that meant he hadn't won his first three games, but Gio had. So I'm not as mature about it. I'm not as mature oh. about it as I'm making it. Yeah. Um, I just hope that um, the covid is under control and uh, everybody everybody can stay healthy and uh, the Rangers just go from, from strength to strength. And on that, guys, I think we'll, we'll call it time there. Uh, we've, we've sort of ran over the hour a wee bit there, but that's fine. It's the last show of the year. We're allowed to do that, get some extra content, content out there for the guys. So a big thanks to Alex and Dougie uh, for their contributions there. Great stuff as always. The next show, I'm just going to pull it up here because the gaffer has put it on the chat. It will be out on the 16th of January I believe uh, Ross is hosting I'm on uh, and Stuart Weir will be on as well uh, we were live tonight guys as always we were live tonight but tomorrow the, the, the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms uh, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual places uh, and always, as always guys get yourself onto the Jersnet uh, website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk Final point I want to make tonight, as I said earlier on, 2021, a huge year for Rangers. You know, we won 55. Uh, you know, Stephen Gerrard left us, went to Aston Villa uh, after securing 55. We've seen Gio coming in. We've seen the sad passing uh, Walter Smith. And we're about to move into 2022, a new year. Through all that that happened through 2021, we were with you. Jersnet was there. We covered it all. Free and independent content. Uh, we'll try to improve that content and, and give you some more stuff. We'll continue to do that in 2022. So please keep watching, keep joining, keep subscribing. Uh, I'll lift a wee beer to you all. Have a happy new year, a great 2022 when it comes. We are the people. Until then, bye for now. <laughs>